when the fare of his life drops into his cab, it's now up to Corbin Dallas to save the world from evil. On this week's episode, we're talking movies. We're talking The Fifth Element. Screenplay by Robert Kamen and Luke Benson. Directed by Luke Benson and starring Bruce Willis, Gary Oldman, and Mila Jonovich. Chris, as people of this podcast know, I only speak two languages. English and bad English. <laughs> I learned my lesson after last time because I did have that quote written down, but I think I'm going to go with the classic Chris one. I don't want one position. I want all positions. Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of How'd You Like That Movie? And since it's become kind of my catchphrase, we're going to be talking about the 1997 classic film, The Fifth Element. Um, So, Scott, why don't you take us away? Because that's kind of how we do things around here. (laughs) Well, all I got to say is uh, thank God for the internet, because without it, I never would have known that this movie is listed as a bad film. Like when this thing came out, I enjoyed it. Everybody around me enjoyed it. And my barometer, like my gauge of how well movies were was Siskel and Ebert. And they gave this movie two thumbs up. Mm-hmm. But like researching it for this pod, all of a sudden it's on lists that are so bad it's good. Upon release, it was nominated for Stinker Awards. Like, am I missing out on my childhood? Like, was this considered a bad movie? So when I was doing my research for this, they, they talked about even when, because it opened the Cannes Film Festival, uh, how it was very divisive. People either, it was sort of either they loved it or they thought it was just, you know, an absolute waste of time, a bloated budget, and it didn't go anywhere. So there there is in the world this kind of division about this film. But I mean, you, you know, both from a critic and a financial side, so this had a $90 million budget. It did $264 million at the box office. Uh, at the time, it was the largest budgeted French film in, in history. Uh, it's got a, a Rotten Tomatoes score as of today of 70% from critics and 86% from audiences. So, like, it's not horrible. It made lots of money. Um, but, yeah, some people really dislike this film. Uh, I believe uh, Chris Tucker was actually nominated for a Razzie for his his role as uh, Ruby Rod. So yeah, you're, you're not wrong. Like there's definitely some people who really, really love it. And some people who absolutely can't stand this film. I, on the other hand, enjoy this film. You do. It's good. I like this film. I liked it for when I first saw it. And then it's one of those films I don't rewatch very often, but, but yeah, even rewatching it now, like I forgot how funny Chris Tucker is. That role. He's so good in that role. I love it. I love it. But it was the same thing. Like, even, well, before this film, like Mila, now, you know, she's, I think she was more the predominant female action star than Charlie's Theron. Mm-hmm. But, well, for her time, you mean, or in general? In general. I think just body of work wise, she has more. Right? Well, and do you think that's mostly. So, like, if we talk about her a bit, I mean, she basically is the Resident Evil, like, she is the premier actor in the Resident Evil series, right? So do you think that that's kind of why she's got that big kind of action hero, you know, nomaker or what? Well, not only that, like, she was in uh, the Joan of Arc movie that was also directed by Luke Benson. Yeah, she was his wife at the time. 
Yes, I, I heard. Yeah. <laughs> also, hold research. On, hold on, internet. hold on, hold on. I want, I want to talk about that because it's, it's interesting because there's a lot of this intertwining. So, Luc Besson, French director. So, he did uh, La Femme Nikita, uh, Leon the Professional, which is a fantastic film. Um, oh, even La Femme Nikita is. Fantastic. Exactly, exactly. Both of those are fantastic films. Um, so, The Professional is essentially based off of his relationship with... Okay, so the his wife at the time of The Fifth Element was uh, Mewen Lebesco, who played the diva in Fifth Element, right? <laughs> so, he met her when she was 12 years old and he was 29. They started dating when she was 15 and they had a baby together when she was 16. So, he's only in his 30s and he's married to a 16-year-old at this point, right? So he casts her in Fifth Element. He leaves her for um, Jovich, right? Who he then puts in a bunch of films and then leaves her for somebody else. Like just this like, first off that dating someone at 15 that you met when you're 12 is fucking creepy as hell. Sorry. Like that's fucked up. Don't you think? Uh, I'm I'm glad you went there, Chris, because I was scared first with our Christmas conversations, and I thought like <laughs> Lafen Nikita was, or not Lafen, uh, oh fuck, Lolita was your go-to. Uh, but, but he, but, he, but oh, speaking of Lolita, sorry, actually, I kind of got off track there. So the Leon the professional, that whole like age group dynamic, that's based on his relationship with uh Lebesco, like that 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 15 year old relationship like that's why the character there's such a big age difference in the professional it's like so based on you, his real life experience of like being in love and having this want for this younger person which is it's fucked up and it's super so fucked up. is gary oldman's like child services like technically <laughs> <laughs> Is that who his character is supposed to it's, be? It's sort of like uh, Cobra Kai when you like reimagine things through a different set of eyes. Like when they go back and they're showing like how Johnny wasn't actually the bad one in the in the in the eighties and stuff like that. I never thought John. Like if we want to go there, I never thought he was the bad guy because at the end of that movie, he's the one that hands him the uh, the trophy and says, "Way to go." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was just he was just a messed up kid that was trying to deal with like angst and being young. <laughs> But yeah, so okay, so yeah, so we were talking about uh, yeah with her, Mila. like I knew her from obviously Days and Confused and the movie Cuffs, which is oh that's one of right, my, yeah, like, yeah with uh, Christian Slater. Yeah, that's one of my so bad it's good movies, mm-hmm. right? I, I love that movie. She was also in Zoolander. Yeah, but that's after this movie. This is true. This is after. So well, I mean, Days and Confused is what just before. Yeah, yeah, I think it's like the film before, if not. Um, she actually dated her co-star from that for a while as well. Well, she's now married to the guy who directed the, you know, um, Resident Evil movies. That's right. They met actually on the set of Resident Evil. So I figured as much. Oh but my hey, God. This is like love fucking, is love, right? we're basically doing like TMZ celebrity dating in this episode. It seems I like. know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just wait till we get to Bruce Willis. <laughs> yeah, Touche. But, but yeah. And, and that's the thing with Bruce Willis. Like you, you got to like, he was not the first choice. He was the second choice. Mel Gibson uh, was would the you first. say that? Are you well, sure? He, they, are, they were kind to, of the same. They're offered at the same time, I guess. Yes. But, Br- but Bruce thanks. Willis was the most concerned because he had not done well with uh, Hudson Hawk and uh, whatever that. Billy gangster, Bathgate. Yeah, the gangster movie. So yeah. he, Which uh, I like too. Huh? 
that was with Nicole Kidman. I yeah, like that, that actually that has a pretty solid cast. So I, I haven't yeah. seen it. Uh, I'm gonna have to go back and watch it because uh, just like on a cursory glance, it has this like great cast and stuff in it. So I, I'm wondering why it bombed so so much, or maybe the critics just got it wrong. Well, that's the thing. Like, given the pace of this, like we did Die Hard, and then you couldn't wait for another Bruce Willis movie. We can do that one in two weeks. <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny because it's like you know, again, my notes are the same thing. Like Bruce Willis, Die Hard franchise, Pulp Fiction, Planet Terror, Sin City, Looper, Alpha Dog, Moonrise Kingdom. He's got approximately 113 films under his belt, man. Like, say what you want about his acting, but he does a lot of it. You know what I mean? Like, I think when I looked at his schedule for, like, stuff in pre, uh, post-production, he still has four films coming out in the next, like, year or so. Like, that's fantastic. Like, that's good for him, you know? Like, really putting in the work as an actor. Yeah, I think it's a, a similar with, like... Uh, Nick Cage, right? You don't realize how many movies he's making. Wow! Except no, 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 no. Every fucking third week, a Nick, uh, Nick, Nick Cage movie comes out because he has to pay back the IRS, right? So, so I'm assuming Bruce Willis got to pay somebody too. He owes somebody some money. Maybe it's alimony <laughs> or child support or something. He owns like a town in like some midwestern town. He bought like an entire town uh, back in like the '90s or in 2000 or something like that. So maybe that's what he's paying for. So are you telling me like Shit's Creek is actually real and it's just based on Bruce Willis? <laughs> I mean, yeah, Eugene it Levy? sounds like maybe Eugene <laughs> Levy just stole that from him. Um, like, but yeah, so I mean, this film is like crazy. It's got like crazy uh, visual effects. It's got like this quirly quirky um, storyline. I mean, the costuming was done by uh, Jean-Paul Gaultier, like the fashion designer. And some of the jackets in this film cost fifth or cost five thousand dollars a piece and he personally adjusted every single character including like background before shooting like there was a ton of attention to detail put into this film yeah and i think you see it right like it's evident on the screen and i don't know if you've ever seen his um i think it was his last movie valerian i have not if you like is that the the, like uh space opera or whatever well it's like a it's based on a comic book he actually brought the creators of the comic book onto this one and they um what's it called storyboard and designed all the oh that's those uh, those two french uh comic book writers right correct and artists but it's yeah it's their series like from what i read i don't know how much is true because you know the internet but he never thought he was going to make valerian and that's where kind of the seed of this movie came from, right? He wanted something in the vein of that comic. Oh, as in like, if I can't make this, well, he actually started writing this when he was 16. Which makes sense with the comic. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, okay. So this actually, that's a, that's a good segue into my quote for this week. So, uh, Mark Savlov of the Austin Chronicle said, the fifth element actually feels like it was scripted by a daydreaming teenage teenager, but in a good way. That's to say that it has a certain gosh, wow, sense of wonder to the whole thing that echoes the complete unique universe of George Lucas and company. And I mean, it has that feeling because it was a 16 year old who started writing it and then he continued writing it into his thirties or whatever. But yeah, it has that kind of like surreal feel to it. You know what I mean? Like fucking characters that look like kind of like Muppets, uh, crazy costumes, crazy lighting, um, it's a fun movie. Like I, I, I'm in the same boat as you. It's like, I don't watch this film a lot, 
But every time I watch it, I, I enjoy it. Again, it's, it's, it's a very comfortable film for me to watch. I find it hard to be overly critical. Again, I mean, I think there's some stuff that maybe drags on a bit. But, I mean, it's quirky. And it's, it's, I feel like it's doing what it's trying to do. You know what I mean? It's, it's successful. Yeah. In his, his vision is successful. So his execution is successful. So he did what he was trying to do, which is, I think is important. No, exactly. I totally agree. Like, again, like I forgot Luke Perry was in this movie. The late right. Luke Perry. Yeah, like I totally forgot. And when I saw him in the credits, I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, Didn't you, does how did you not recognize him fucking in the very beginning when you see him? Why'd you have to wait? He, for the... It, it, the credits are first. Oh, you're talking about like the opening credits. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. okay. Like, in the opening credits. And then I'm like, Luke Perry. And I, I literally for like 10 minutes were like, well, before it comes Fifth down. Fifth Element, to 90210. Yeah, but I'm like, I'm like, which character does he play? I'm like, he's not one of the bad guys. And then all of a sudden, I see him. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah. I'm like, he had that really pointless role of. Would you, cons- the would, you would you consider it a cameo? Because he was already on Beverly Hills 90210 by that point, was he not? I attribute it to the same as Marlon Brando and Superman. It is a cameo. Ah, uh, gotcha, 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 gotcha. And he probably made just a little bit less than Marlon Brando made for <laughs> Superman. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's good to get like an actor like that and like you can throw their I don't know his, if his name is actually on the poster, but sometimes that's why you do it too, right? Uh like uh, Drew Barrymore in Scream. You're like, oh Drew Barrymore's in this, and then she's fucking done after seven minutes, you know what I mean? Yeah, but even I think he I think he is on the poster because like even in the opening credits, he's fourth build, right? Mm-hmm. For what ten minutes of screen time? Yeah, something like that. I mean, he has dialogue and, and and he has some like actual participation in the scene. So, like, it's it's more than just like a, a cursory cameo or whatnot. So, what's your? Uh, do you have like a favorite scene in this or what? Yes. What is it? My is my favorite scene of this movie is the failed robbery scene <laughs> with the dude with like the hat. Yeah, only because. Like, you can literally see, like, in a cut where Bruce Willis cannot keep character and he is just chuckling. And then that's the cut that made, like, that's the one that made the film. Like, he cannot stop laughing. And he's like, <laughs> nice hat. And then the guy's, like, dancing. He's like, you like it? You like it? <laughs> you can tell, like, they were just trying to, like, cut each other up a little bit. But that's what made the, the movie. And that is, like, that is my favorite scene of that whole movie. Uh, you know, th- and again, uh, I think there's a lot of funny stuff in this. I mean, I like, out of all the great actors, I mean, I love Gary Oldman. He's probably one of my favorite actors, but I really like Chris Tucker as Ruby Rod. Like all his stuff, especially when they first get on the ship and he's like walking around, blah, blah, blah. And then he like gives the microphone to Bruce Willis and he's like, Hey, and he's like, like, he's just so flat in everything he says. You know what I mean? Yeah, and the other thing that I thought was weird, well, I guess now it's not weird anymore based on everything you were telling me about Luc Besson, but is how over-sexualized the women were. Like, people at McDonald's were pretty much like, here's a Big Mac and And a my boobs. Yeah. (laughs) The flight boobs with special sauce. (laughs) Yeah. Well, he got a lot of criticism for that too, right? It's like everything is like super, super sexualized. But I mean, I mean, it was also the 90s, so... I mean, I guess you get a bit of a pass there. I guess you get a bit of a pass. Okay. okay. So actually, again, so now I'm going to I'm gonna pivot off that to some trivia because we're talking about like underage girls and stuff. This is so inappropriate, but I can't help myself. So Chris Tucker, I mean, 
he was in Jackie Brown and he had the rush. Oh my, are you doing yes, the, yes. the plane trip? Why? Uh, Why would you even because bring up the plane trip? Because it's fucking hilarious. Like, I mean, it's, it, you know what? It's hilarious. Like, so in 2002, Tucker flew alongside Jeffrey Epstein, Giselle Maxwell, Kevin Spacey. Like, can you make this, this, this more of a, like a problematic plane trip and Bill Clinton as part of a humanitarian trip to Africa. Tucker also appeared in Epstein's contact book. I mean, I guess he's on the same plane, but like they also got Kevin Spacey in there. It's like they do all flavors. Like what the fuck, man? Uh, I, like I saw that as well. And, and like, we're talking about a director who clearly has a thing with really, really, really young girls. Actually, I almost want to go back and see if any of uh, Besson's films were done by Miramax. Oh, come <laughs> on. he was like, I don't think he's done a movie like Valerian was the last one, but uh, he was part of the whole Me Too as well. He was called out on it. Ne pas moi. What? Not me. Not me. Oh, me too, his... not me. Okay, that, that, that joke fell really flat. We'll have to edit that. Yeah, <laughs> I, have no idea. I have no idea what. Come you're... on, you're Canadian. You should speak some tertiary French show. Yes, but yes, he was. Five women came forward to make similar statements about about him, saying he forced themselves on him. But thanks for bringing us down with all this. I mean, we got to talk about the factoids on this show too, right? Like, you can't be getting no fucking pass. Um, so I, I want to talk about some other interesting stuff with this. So remember how when we were doing our poltergeist exercise. Uh, sorry, ep- exercise episode. Exercise. I'm like, <laughs> what is that? Lion face, lemon face. <laughs> we uh, we talked about like how it's like a cursed film and blah blah blah, or a cursed series, and like it's a couple people that died, some of them tragic or whatever. But on my list right now, I have four, one, two, three, four of the actors from this film are now dead. So Ian Holmes, who played uh, Vito Corleonis, like the uh, the priest or whatever. Priest, yeah. So he died in June 2020. He's also played Bilbo Bagnus, Baggins. So he was 88, and he died uh, this in June of 2020. Uh, Tommy Lister Jr., who played the president, he was in Jackie Brown, Dark Knight. He died in December of 2020 due to COVID. He was 62. Obviously, we've already talked about Luke Perry, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Beverly Hills 90210, Riverdale. He died of a stroke in March of 19, uh, 2019. He was 52. And Brian James, who plays General Monroe, who was in Blade Runner, he died in August of 1999, and he was 54. So, I mean, this movie's almost fucking cursed. <laughs> okay. I don't see how you came to that conclusion. Well, listen, if, if you've got, like, a, so people talk about Poltergeist because, like, two people died or three people died over the course of three different versions of the film, and that's cursed. We got four people who are dead from one film right now, two of them within the same year, uh, 2020, and like Lou Perry died young, and the other guy, uh, uh, Brian James died young too at fifty-four. I mean, maybe the Fifth Element is cursed. I just think you're you're going, you're you're going stra- on too you think many I'm stretching like, too. Or what? Yeah, you're you're going on too many internet like rabbit holes. <laughs> like, little did you know, it actually was real alien artifacts, and all four <laughs> of these people touched it. <laughs> well, didn't Obviously, we just see? Isn't that what was going on last year? That it was those Fifth Element style artifacts that were showing up in places like those silver columns no that was this year oh yeah i guess it was yeah, last year we're in 2021 yeah, baby. Uh, the mausoleum in the grand or what is it called the grand canyon or yes. something like that and then it disappeared like a week later or something like that 
yes, you are right. But how did you how did you uh, how did you like Gary Oldman as Zorg? I love Gary Oldman. He's I think so good. He, like the other like visually, like I love that one scene where the, he gives the aliens those guns. Then he's outside having a smoke, and then he's like, "Well, if he was a real killer, he would have asked about the button." And then the button explodes everything, and then he just like blows out the cigarette through his nose, right? And then just starts walking away with his little limp. He's uh, right? he's so good. Uh, Besson actually referred to him as like one of the top five actors in the on, on the entire planet. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean he worked with him on Leon the Professional as well. He's fantastic in that too, as the like fucked up DEA guy, or in your situation as you were saying, child services. It's starting to make sense, right? He was government. This is true. <laughs> um, I mean, this is a fun little film. There, there's again, it's like there's not a whole lot to talk about. Like it's super surreal. If you haven't seen it, I would definitely say going go and watch it and you know, give us some feedback if you don't like it, if you haven't seen it and this is your first time through. But I mean, the soundtrack is really cool. I think 90% of the film has music in it. Um, I don't know. Is there like anything else specifically you want to kind of brush back and forth? Or do you want to talk about any of the other actors or what do you want to do here? I mean, like brush back and forth in terms of this film or? Yeah, well, we're fucking, yes, the podcast is about the fifth element. So we should probably be talking about that. I I thought it was. And then all of a sudden I went to like, child slavery things because it all like... connects man it all connects um but why why don't we see chris tucker more that's the one thing i, I haven't i was gonna ask done. you that myself too because his like his career was like fine and then it just wasn't it just stopped maybe it yeah, had to do with being on that airplane <laughs> who knows but yeah like i loved him on friday i love him in fucking what's the one with uh charlie sheen Money talks, money talks. That one was Brett Ratner too, so maybe, you know, it's all like yeah, said, yeah, yeah, all, all problematic. Yeah, he was in Jackie Brown, Quentin Tarantino movie, and then obviously the Rush Hour films. And I think at the time, Rush Hour two, he was like the most highest paid actor. Oh yeah, with Jackie Chan, like that yeah. whole series did really, really well. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, I, the last thing I remember him in is the. The one with Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence. Silver Lining uh, Playbook. He actually yeah, got nominated last... for a couple of awards for that. Yeah, that's a lot. And that, but that was like almost ten years ago, wasn't it? Uh, it's been it's been a while. I mean, and but and Silver Lining Playbook was also there was a big gap between his last role and then Silver Lining Playbook. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe he made just so much fucking bank that he didn't need to act. Like he was busy doing something else. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't know, but I do miss him on the screen. I always. I, I always wanted the one I know we're going to get the movie now, like in March, but I always wanted coming America coming to America too to be him with Eddie Murphy. Cause I think that would have just made me piss myself. Like you just think they would have had good on-screen chemistry. Yeah. If he played Eddie Murphy's kid. Right. But now it's obviously too late, but it is too late. Hey, you can, you can always be hoping for coming, coming to America three. Then, why would he be the kid? I don't know, man. I'm no. I'm just. I'm just trying to solve your creative problems here. Uh, anyway, I say definitely go watch this movie. I highly recommend it, uh, especially if you just want to like hang out. Actually, if you tend to park, especially if you're in Canada and you tend to park take in the uh, legal marijuana, I could definitely see this being a thoroughly enjoyable film to uh, combine those two things. So, hey, wait, you, you can't sign off yet. What do you mean? 
you haven't done the one thing you've done every episode yet. Uh, what part where's, is that? Where's the Canadian connection? I don't actually have one, man. Do you have one? No. No, man. <laughs> I couldn't find one because this is like, so this film is, it's essentially a French film, right? Like it, it, it even had a French title originally. The only reason they shot uh, not in France or sorry, they shot in England primarily was because they didn't have the studios big enough. So finding a Canadian is going to be tough. I mean, even the DP, which I know I actually missed a gloss over this, uh, Thierry uh, Abashed, uh, Abosht, uh, the French, he's a French DP and he worked on essentially everything that Besson worked on, uh, obviously like Nikita and professional and stuff like that. So, but it's, it's got a very U, uh, European connection. So unfortunately I was not able to find a Canadian, uh, contact. Actually, if any of our listeners have one, I mean, they hit us up on Twitter or send us an email or carrier pigeon or something. Talk to us, talk to us, <laughs> talk to me goose. There you go. All right. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much done as well. Uh, but the one thing I would recommend, I don't know how much, time is going to be on but if you haven't gone on that youtube channel fear and watched all the old um universal monster movies i definitely would recommend it i had a fucking blast doing it i don't know how you just tied that into uh the fifth just, element but sure. i just figured hey yeah if, if you like movies and you like old movies you can take scott's advice and go watch old universal movies on youtube I fucking hate you. I know. You I'm, I, I, I'm glad we're in <laughs> lockdown and I don't have to see you face to face. If it wasn't for COVID trying to kill you, I'd fucking try and kill you. <laughs> can't say that. And then I'll be like, Trump, I can't tweet. <laughs> anyway. Oh, by the way, United States, congratulations on your new president. Uh, I hope that all goes well for you. Uh, that's all I've got to say. And uh, Scott's going to get you out of here and we'll talk to you next week. And that is our rant for the day. Please like and subscribe to this podcast. You can also reach us and interact with us on social media at how do you like that one or email us at how do you like that movie at gmail.com. This director is super creepy and problematic. So when I'm thinking about this, like in real time, I'm like, so he's writing back and forth to her in this like pretend language, saying it's for quote unquote uh, the character. But realistically, is he just basically like sexting her, but in this fake language, so his like wife doesn't know, and he can do it under the guise of like character development. That's what Tolkien did. <laughs>